And now, a brand new episode of Script to Screen Spotlight here on Radio Lebanon 96.2 FM, made to be heard. Welcome to a brand new episode of Script to Screen Spotlight here on Radio Lebanon 96.2 FM. You are listening to us on this fantastic Friday afternoon at 3 p.m. I don't know why I did that accent, but there it is. It is exciting. The weekend is here, finally. Um, But no weekend is the same unless you have a co-captain or a co-pilot to help guide you down that weekend. So join me in welcoming the solo to my Chewbacca, the one, the only hot solo. Hello, hello, Alan. Hello, screeners. Happy Friday. It is indeed. It is. It I, is I love indeed. Fridays. Oh, me too. They're like the best part of the weekend because it's just the second before the weekend kicks off. Yup, yup, yup. Party, party, party. It's that anticipation. Patient, yes, exactly. <laughs> it's that anticipation for the weekend to begin, uh, and it's also uh, it's 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 also our um, as adults, it's our time to uh, just have fun, let loose, yeah, go get jiggy with it. Na 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 na. It's uh, release our inner child. I think. Yes, 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 release our inner child. Although sometimes um, you know. Uh, that that relates to you know us going and grabbing a drink, but I mean you didn't yeah. do that as a child. Uh, what you did as a child was I don't know uh, go out and play. Uh, I had drinks as a child. No, I'm <laughs> really? <laughs> no, that's no. exciting childhood. <laughs> Very interesting. I, no, I, I watched a lot of movies yep. as a kid. Me too. Uh, me was, too. Me too. That was like my favorite pastime. I think that and playing with my action figures in my room and making oh, up I stories. Oh, I loved action stuff. figures. Yeah, my GI Joes and whatnot. I didn't have GI Joes. I had um, I had a bunch of let's see, a bunch of Mortal Kombat characters. Um, I may have had one or two GI Joes actually, um, but my favorite uh, action figure was actually a, a character from the Disney animated show Gargoyles. Yeah. 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 It was Brooklyn. Okay. Uh, but it was like an ice version of Brooklyn. So okay. they, he had like, on his wings, he had like uh, almost like icicles and all mm-hmm. that stuff. He looked pretty badass. Nice. No, I had Ninja Turtles. I had The Flash. I had Superman. I had Batman. Well, I, yeah, I had a few DC superheroes. I had uh, G.I. Joes. I had these weird skeleton-like creatures. I had a lo- I had like a huge box and I would stay for hours like making Stuff up. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. Ooh, I had the Power Ranger action figures. I think I, yeah. I the ones it. where you like clicked the center and their head flipped and yeah. then you got like the Power Ranger helmet on. Yeah. Those are really cool. Yeah, they're awesome. They're awesome. Go, go Power Rangers. Rangers? I don't know. Dangers. Danger, danger. Um, so um, you, you said you used to watch movies. Okay, well, what, uh, what are some of your um, favorite childhood movies? Uh, a lot of movies like I, I used to watch and rewatch. Uh, there's definitely Mary Poppins. Ooh, now, a the, spoonful of sugar. Well, now, the weird thing is, even though now I forgot, 
I used to have it on VHS and it was in French. Ooh. So the songs were in French. So oh, my first no. encounter with Marie Poppins Marie Poppins was in Francais. Was it like super calafragilistique? Something like that. But but for some reason, the, I don't remember them in English, uh, in French. I remember the songs in, in, English. in English. Oh, okay, cool. Because I, I, I watched it uh, yeah. definitely later. Yeah. What a classic. Uh, it's going to be interesting once Emily Blunt takes over. Yeah, I'm very curious, actually. Very, I, I, very I think if someone could... And I'm saying, oh, yeah, it's her. There's nobody pull, else. Pull that it off. It's, off. it's Emily yeah. Blunt. I, I think for a while they were considering Anne Hathaway. And I was like, ooh, no, no. I mean, I like her, but like, no. But not Mary Poppins. Not yeah. Mary Poppins. But yeah. Emily Blunt, I mean, she's a mom, which all, which kind of helps. Uh, she has a very kind of um, Julie Andrews-ish vibe. She's very classy. Very classy. Very mom-like. Yeah, yeah. And, and I kind of, it, it works. Very Ma Mary Poppins-like. I mean, it's interesting because the last thing we would have seen her in would have been the A Quiet, quiet place. place. And now she's a spoonful of sugar. It's very, two Very, extremes. very different extremes. Two extremes of the spectrum. Very different extremes here. Uh, um, what? what? What are the movies? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, on my end, uh, let's see. Um, I, I mean, I was a big Disney kid growing up, so I'd have to say... Probably be a tie between Lion King and Aladdin. Okay. I think I've seen Aladdin like more than I can count. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's just such a classic Disney film. I'm so nervous about the live action mm. remake. Um, I, I was a bit older when it came out, so that's why I don't consider it as a film I watched. As, oh, okay. Yeah, no. I mean, it came out in like what, 90, 95? Probably. 94, like, 95, something like that. So I was, I mean, I was around four or five at that point. No. No, you were no because no, I was Mandy, like 13, okay, yeah, 14. Yeah, but my, my my sister was born in 91, so I was okay, so I was like 8 or 9. Yeah. I was like 8 or 9. So that's still me being mm -hmm. a kid. I hadn't reached my teen year years. Yeah. Yet. <laughs> the wild teen years. The wild teen years. <laughs> but yeah, I mean it's it's interesting when you go back and you watch these films when you've grown up, you kind of appreciate them on a different level mm -hmm. uh, when you do. And sometimes you're even disappointed uh, by them because you they were so glamorous yeah. when you were a kid and then you notice they're like, "Oh, I actually wow. like that. What was wrong with me?" Yeah, I mean not Aladdin or Lion King yeah. cuz those are like those are really good, but like uh, other films. Um, I know actually when I I, I once went back and, and started re-watching a few episodes of the Gargoyles uh, mm. animation series. Man, there were there were episodes that that d dealt with like gun control and all that stuff. And I was like, how was I watching this as a kid? This is so serious. Like, this is so dramatic. There was like mobs and like all that stuff. I'm like, wait, this is a kid's show. Like, what's going on? Why yeah. is this so serious? I don't know. Maybe as a kid, probably as a kid, you don't pay attention to that. You just pay attention to the characters. Yeah, the but I mean, still, yeah. Like, uh, sheesh. Th things like uh, echo and respond differently when you watch something at a different yeah, point, for sure. point in your life. So for I think sure. as a kid, they were like, okay, maybe guns, do guns, don't do guns, whatever. But um, things definitely are different. At, a, at an older age, for sure, which is yeah. why we love our second chance segment, yeah. which is coming yeah. to us later, later, later in this episode. So, for our first uh, spotlight uh, in this episode, we're going to be talking about a much li m list, much missed, yeah. a much missed uh, uh, actor, uh, comedian, uh, spirit, um, you know. Human being. Yeah, exactly. The legendary, the amazing, the legendary Robin Williams. Uh, boy, do we miss him. Yeah. Boy, do we miss him. Really. We um, miss him. Cinema misses him. Hollywood misses him. Comedy misses him. Yeah. Oh, big time. Big time. Uh, the... 
the I think the heart and soul of movies miss someone like Robin Williams. Yeah. Yeah, he was so so impactful as as that actor who gave so much heart in any performance uh, he gave from from even in his most if you want twisted role for, mm-hmm. in, in mm-hmm. Uh, what was one hour photo? one hour photo oh he was geez, he so terrified me I think that's the cray first cray. time I ever looked at Robin Williams and went uh, you're creepy yeah oh <laughs> with a blonde hair yeah oh my lord Almighty that role was so electrifying but but there there's there's something he he had that aura he had that je ne sais quoi yes he and did have he always had that certain je ne sais yeah quoi. and and Rob Williams was a genius to me yeah. Uh, go on YouTube. I don't know if you've seen this. And there's an interview uh, inside the actor studio <gasps> where he improvises for about 10, 10 minutes. Yeah, and it's with nonstop. A pashmina, yeah, a pink nonstop. Pashmina, it's brilliant and it's hilarious. It's so good. He is incredible. The things he does with a simple uh, scarf uh, are are fantastic. They're hilarious. Uh, Really, and and you see the reaction of the students in oh, yeah, in, yeah. in, uh, in the studio watching him, and they're in awe, and and you can't but be in awe when you watch a guy like Robin Williams. I, I it's it's funny because uh, inside the actor studio, I, I used to watch it religiously. Yeah, uh, it's such a such a good. Um, such a good show. Um, I'm actually trying to look up the video now because I, I may want to try to play a little segment of yeah, it yeah. Uh, if we can. Um, uh, where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Here we go. Inside the actor's studio. Improv. There we go. Uh, explaining. Oh, there it is. I think, I think here, here we go. I think this is it. Maybe. Perhaps. Uh, perhaps. <laughs> In the meantime... Um, uh, you have you also seen? There's also another amazing video. Um, you, you have you also seen the video of him actually acting out the genie in the yes, sound booth? Yes. Ah, oh, so uh, good. How many hours of uh, the voice? Uh, the, the, what do you call it? The, the footage. I mean, hours and hours they have on hours end. Hours of footage, and and what a lot of people I think don't know is that a lot of it was improvised. Oh yeah, for the, sure. They there was a script for the whole story of Aladdin, and there was the part of the genie. Uh huh. And they gave Williams a lot of liberties into saying whatever he wants to say. Oh and yeah, yeah. yeah. He, I mean, he did. I think there was like three or four versions of every line yeah. that he delivered um, as they tried to figure out which one. Uh, uh, was was the best, uh, you yeah. know, that that fit the role the best. Um. And, and apparently, the, the guy who kicks off the movie, the the salesman, the, the Arab salesman with the camel. Uh-huh. Uh huh. It turns out that it's Robin Williams. There was a lot of speculation for years as to who's voicing that character, and it turns out that Robin Williams does that at the beginning of the movie. Oh, I had, I always knew it was Robin. Williams. Yeah, in, in my mind, it was him. But yeah, but they don't credit him. Uh, in the movies at the end as that character. Oh, they don't? No, no. Oh, they just weird. Can't, yeah, just uh, as genie. And with Aladdin specifically, Williams uh, didn't do the second one. There was a uh, yeah, second yeah, one yeah. that the went... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Return of Jafar, it wasn't Williams, yeah. and fans went ballistic. Exactly. And then, and he then they brought him back for... King, Return of the Thieves. The yeah, king the, the, the King of Thieves. Yeah, the King of Thieves. I never understood why we needed Aladdin sequels, by the way. Because, you know, Hollywood... Yeah, but they're not that good. I mean, Return of the Jafar isn't isn't bad. But it's not Aladdin. But it's yeah. I mean, it's it's not Aladdin. Yeah. I actually enjoyed the animated TV show more um, than the sequels. Yeah. They mm-hmm. had some pretty decent episodes of the adventures of, of Aladdin. Aladdin. You know, like 
Um, but I mean, uh, um, uh, Robin Williams' performances aren't just limited to that. I mean, uh, or, mm. you know, to creepy or um, um, voice uh, voice acting. Uh, one of one of my favorite Robin Williams films uh, would have to be Bicentennial Man. Oh, really? Yeah. I'm not the biggest fan. Really? Yeah. I love that movie. Well, tell me why. I'm, I'm actually curious. I, the, thematically, the okay. narrative, uh, what it's actually uh, uh, discussing, the idea of, of life and, and what it means to be alive, what it means to be human as this android or robot or whatever he was, okay. uh, to, uh, learns to become human and slowly becomes human. It, for me, it's, it's a really interesting take on... on um, uh, uh, you know, normally in cinema, you normally see humans wanting to become more machine or yeah. they wanting to become immortal or, um, d d you know, uh, superpowers or mutant powers or whatever. In Bicentennial Man, it's the absolute reverse. Mm -hmm. It's this it's this immortal machine that actually wants mortality, yeah. that wants to be human that wants to be alive that wants to experience what it's like being human i think one of the most uh, although it's a very minor scene one of my favorite scenes in the movie is when robin williams's character uh, first experiences a fart for the first time yeah it's just it's so you know minimal but at the same time it's so like uh, you know like whoa the human body can actually do this mm -hmm. um for me it's it's a massive i mean i cry in this movie all the time okay okay it's very interesting that you're not i, I actually know a lot of people aren't fans yeah. of the film it's it's I, for, for me like i think william's most pivotal role for me personally was uh dead poet society oh uh, i John, mean yeah, John yeah, yeah for sure for sure for sure because i've always wanted a teacher like that and uh and, and he, it's it's such a like really good story. It's such a good film, and it's well made. And Williams, for for the first time in a long time, is very serious and very refrained as a as as, as a character. And that final scene uh, in the end, where all the boys stand up and they're like, "Oh, Captain, my Captain! Oh, Captain, my Captain! Oh, Man, my Lord, what a the tears! Scene. The tears just they come and and they don't stop." And he looks at them and is like, thank you, boys, because but I'm not going to spoil what happens in the movie, because if you I haven't mean, seen if it. If you haven't seen Dead Poets Society at this point. Like, but, but go watch it. Like, seriously, it's such a beautiful film. And it'll make you want to, to, to seize the day. Carpe diem. Yeah. That, yeah. That he made that, that line ever so famous. Uh, I'm, I'm sure like thousands of people have tattoos because of that. Yeah. Like Carpe diem. Yeah. 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 Uh, but it makes you want to attack the world, grab the, the, the world and do amazing things. And again, he does it in such a subtle way. And he has these very small scenes where you see the Williams kind of uh, humor. Yeah. Uh, those kind of small jokes when he takes on specific voices because he loved doing mm -hmm. voices. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's freaking Williams, man. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of very similar roles to, you know, like the 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 older mentory kind of character, you you cannot talk about Williams without talking about Goodwill Hunting. Yeah. Um, I, I think, wow. you know, w literally, wow, what a performance, what a film, uh, you know, um, back when Damon and Affleck were not Batman and born Batman and born. Yeah, basically, <laughs> um, Batfleck and, and born yeah. actually. Um, but Robin Williams's character in that film, oh, that bench sequence, that big monologue yes. that he gives, uh, Matt Damon's character in that film. 
you know, what do you know about loving a woman or, or you know, like, what do you know about love? It, it's, it's so iconic. Um, and then you've got these minor Robin Williams films that really didn't catch on, but like, mm-hmm. uh, what dreams may come yeah. is actually, I mean, visually this film is, is, is a gorgeous film. And uh, again, we're talking theme, we're talking heart, so much soul in this film. Um, uh, and if you want to go back to our childhood a bit, there's Jumanji, there's Patch oh. Adams, there's these these cult Robin Williams classic Good morning, films. Vietnam. A, a bit more mature. For, yeah. Yeah, but definitely a fantastic film. But but he had these like so so fun movies in, in, in the 90s, I guess. And then and they went and, and all they could do to, to pay homage to Robin Williams in, in the new Jumanji was simply just etch name. his name on, yeah. a, on a tree branch. Yeah. Well done, Jumanji. Well done. Bravo. Uh, you can't, I mean, like, Jumanji is but, so good. No, it is. By the way, going back to, I just want to say one last thing about uh, Goodwill Hunting. Uh-huh. Uh, since we talked about farts, I mean, why not uh, talk about that? There's this scene where he's talking to Damon about his wife, Farting in front of him for the first time. Oh, yeah, yeah, That yeah, was yeah, improvised. Yeah. That was not part of the script, and he just improvised it. Ah, that's And so they're cool. laughing, and they're cracking up, and you can see for a second Damon looking at someone, probably the director, Gus oh, Van Sant. Oh, yeah, 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 Should we continue, or what do we do? And then they just continue. See, lucky like for them, Gus yeah. Van Sant was directing, because Gus Van Sant is, is actually, like, part of that dogma movement. Yeah. So, like, he's very, like, chillaxed about that, mm-hmm. that sort of thing. Um Again, another iconic uh, role, and I think it's a role that literally Mm. describes who Robin Williams is and who will always... Uh, be actually no, y- no you're you're talking about something else oh. i wasn't i wasn't gonna talk about um i mean eventually it was gonna bring up yeah. uh, mrs doubtfire for sure um but for me the role that literally uh, it's the the epitome of of who robin williams is um the pan Oh, Peter Pan. And I mean... I, my t-shirt. I'm wearing a Peter Pan you t-shirt. You are wearing a Peter Pan t-shirt. Ironically. I mean, uh, uh, you couldn't have asked for yeah. a better person to play an adult... A man-child. Peter Pan. A man... L- literally. Yeah. Yeah, literally. I mean... Yeah. Uh, he is the pan. He's the pan. Uh, what, 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 you are the pan. What was it? The scene with Rufio... And and when he finally admits to him that yeah. you are the pan, you are the pan. Wow! Ugh. Wow! What a scene! Kills me every time. And what and 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 Hook and Dustin Hoffman and and Bob Hoskins and everyone. What just a, like that? That's yeah. stellar cast. But yeah. again, and you know Spielberg. Um, yes, yes. You know, uh, he knows what he's doing. Yeah, he does. Um, the film is so iconic. It's it's got a brilliant score, but it's also got I think. Heart Williams. It's got Williams's heart. Literally, yes. it, it, um, you can see how much fun uh, uh, Robin Williams was having uh, playing twi- this it's role. Got twice the Williams, John and Robin. Ooh, well then, yes. Um, and then going back to Mrs. Doubtfire, Mrs. Doubtfire, which I mean, ay 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 ay. Also, what a hilarious performance! What and so many beautiful messages about family and about. Yeah. Uh, divorce and mm-hmm, about how mm-hmm, kids cope mm-hmm. with it and is it their fault or isn't it and don't blame yourself and of course the the, the performance is just 
hilarious. He's so funny. It's dancing with that Hoover. Oh, uh, playing football. I mean, the dancing with the Hoover. I almost feel like this is it was their version of risky business. (laughs) Yes, it does feel like. Yeah, it's almost their version of risky business. Yeah, and and the that final scene where he's playing uh, uh, the male character and then he plays uh, Mrs. Doubtfire, Mrs. Doubtfire in the restaurant going from one place to another and I mean it's it's brilliant magic. brilliant movies brilliant movies yeah. um, and uh, it's just sad that we live in a world now where there isn't Robin I mean he's still alive in the movies yeah. for us you can always go back and see these films but it's sad because now we won't get anything new from him. And, yeah. uh, you know, I almost wish, and I almost know this for a fact, that if he was still around, I don't think, um, as much as I love and respect Will Smith, mm-hmm. I highly doubt that Disney would have cast Will Smith. I, yeah, I, I don't think... They would have brought him back, just like they brought back James Earl Jones mm-hmm. to play Mufasa in The Lion King. Yeah. Because I am certain that fans would have... Would have uh, um, I would have been on board. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would have. I wouldn't have been on board if Williams wasn't involved. Mm-hmm. Had he been here today, yeah. um, you know, it's it's just sad. It's sad for me that we we lost this amazing talent, this heart, this spirit. Um, it's it's nuts. You know, this very funny story about Williams and Spielberg uh, while shooting Schindler's List, mm. which was a very dark movie. Yeah. What Williams would do is would call Steven Spielberg and just tell him, him jokes laugh. and oh. make him laugh. See, this kills me. And it goes to show you the kind of human being he was. And that w- was reflected in his movies. You could see that in the characters he portrayed. He tried to give them heart. He didn't try. He gave them heart. He gave them heart, man. Effortlessly. It- uh, he and he's so generous. And I don't know if you've seen his stand-up. His stand-up is some I- of I've the I've seen most- the three of them. The li- my favorite is the I think the first one live at the Met. It's one of the oldest. The first, ones. yeah, that was yeah. That I have a recording of that I listen to sometimes in my car, and it's just hilarious. Yeah, the I mean things, it's very it's a very crude Robin. Yeah, but I mean but it's, it's, it's hilarious. hilarious. I love his live on Broadway. His and, live on Broadway, the HBO special was so so good. And even in those, he injects heart. Oh yeah. I mean, absolutely. Which is the beauty of the guy. And he's nonstop. Yeah. He doesn't stop. Full of energy. My God. It's two hours. I mean, the live on Broadway is like two hours. And the man doesn't even, he doesn't even flinch. Yeah. It's, ugh. Speaking of, oh, Captain, my Captain, and films uh, being uh, so inspirational, so magical, so full of heart, where have they gone? I have no idea. Where the hell are they? Where are they? I mean, I mean, really? Okay, let's let's put all these. Okay, let's put all these big blockbuster blockbuster movies aside. Yeah. Okay, fine. We loved Avengers: Infinity War. We loved Mission Impossible: Fallout. Great. Um, but where are the films that actually have good stories? Where are the films that are actually moving us? Where are the films that are uh, bringing us uh, to tears because of what they're trying to say, because of their soul, because of their heart? Where, where are they? Where have they gone? I, I genuinely don't know. I think they're becoming rarer and rarer. Uh, again, Hollywood is just focusing on the big money machine making process of box office results and and let's not focus on on good stories with with heart we've said heart 28 billion times clearly today's episode is brought to you by the word heart heart which you all need (laughs) uh uh no but seriously uh 
I cannot remember, like in recent years, watching anything that had a huge emotional impact on me. You'll have a movie that pops up here and there once right. in a while. Right. I'm not saying they don't exist. Right. But I don't think they are as frequent as they maybe used 90s or mm. 80s. Mm. Especially the 80s, I think, was an era where even an action film like Lethal Weapon had heart. Yeah. The, the relationship between Murtaugh and Riggs had, had heart. Uh, two guys that don't want to be necessarily put together as, as police officers and end up together and forming... Uh, kind of a brotherhood, a friendship, and you see that evolving in the movies. Mm -hmm. And you have so many, many examples like that. And nowadays, sadly, I see less and less of it. And I think, I think the world honestly needs more movies like oh, that. Oh, we do. We so do. We, we live in an era where we over-worry and we overthink, and and movies are maybe too political nowadays, mm -hmm. and they just, you know... The, the whole process of going to movies was, at least for me, to go take a break from everything and, and dream a little and be mm -hmm. happy and have a huge smile on my face coming out of the movie. Not, I'm not saying that the other genres shouldn't be made. Right, but, but, right, but, right. But even but the, even then, even then, even with like drama films back yeah. in the uh, in the 80s and the 90s, yeah. even those films, um, yes, they were dramatic, but they had hope. Yes. You know, they had a positive, um, even if it wasn't a happy ending, it was mm -hmm. a, a hopeful ending. It, it was, uh, yes, it's not over yet. Yes, yeah. there might be hope later down the line. Um, and nowadays it's either, you know, it's too dark, it's too uh, yeah. hopeless, um, um, I mean, you know, not to bring this back up again, because I mean, in every episode, we have to at least talk about it one, one, one time, uh, you know, the, the franchise, but I mean, look at what, um, look at how, uh, the last Jedi, uh, kind of took on this character that was symbolically the character of hope, Luke yeah. and stripped him off it completely. Mm -hmm. I mean, when Ray sees Luke in the beginning, he is so cynical. He's just... He's given up. He's given up. So even the beacon of hope, a new hope, yeah. was was stripped of it. Yeah. You know? Um, and 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 this is this is kind of the world that we and now again with 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 the news of the new Star Trek with Jean-Luc Picard, <laughs> he might be stripped of his hope as well. Um, it's really is this where we're where we are now? We need to see uh, hopeless people? And hopeless futures. I mean, look at the dystopian films as well. Films like The Hunger Games mm -hmm. and, and even the series like Handmaid's Tale. Look at how dark mm -hmm. these futures are. It is, and, then, and then you wonder why people yeah. are constantly complaining and they're constantly in a bad mood. It's because, well, you're putting us in a bad mood. You're showing us bleak futures. You're showing us futures where there is no hope, where, where people are enslaved. And, yeah. and even if you look at sitcoms nowadays... They're quote unquote darker. Yeah, darker all, comedies. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, we, we used to have friends. We grew up on, on shows like F Friends, which, which was hilarious. Uh, for myself, I used to love 30 Rock, uh, Third Rock from the Sun. Oh, loved it. Uh, Just Shoot Me. These were like very funny, very light kind of sitcoms. And now sitcoms are, I, I don't know if you've seen It's Always Sunny in uh, Philadelphia with Danny DeVito. I, ha I have it's, seen a few it, episodes it's of it. It's funny, but it's 
It's, it's, it's dark. Gloomy. It's, it's dark. gloomy. And then Louis C.K. had his yeah. his uh, his comedy series as well. Um, yeah, I mean, so, so, the hopeful heart is, is it's gone yeah. to a certain degree. It it is gone. Um, uh, you know, you you do have shows like This Is Us that are sort of kind of bringing mm. it back, uh, but again, even that is a little too dramatic yeah. sometimes. Um, so I don't know why we we've 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 gone down this this over dramatic over sad uh, um hopeless path um i i just mm, i don't know I, I wish i had the answer i i don't know but the solution is make 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 happier films make uh, more joyful series uh and again, Worry less. We, we don't want it to be dumbed down. Yes. That's not what we're saying. We don't want it to be pure entertainment only. That's not what we're saying. Because when Absolutely. you have a film Absolutely. with heart, you're walking away with something. Yes. yes. The film is touching you. Um, and, and you said every once in a while, films will, you know, yep. will, will come up. For me, um, you know, the, the finale of the, the new Planet of the Apes trilogy, mm -hmm. War of the Planet of the Apes, I teared up at the end of that movie yeah. because it was a satisfying, heart-filled mm -hmm. ending. Yeah. It was a conclusion that that hits you at, at your mm -hmm. core. Um, you had you had we we spoke about this uh, last week. Uh, Super Eight. Yes. Uh, which was again we called it the modern ET, the yeah, modern let, ET. Letting go. And, letting you know. go, and and again a father and son relationship that is being uh, um, kind of uh, um, um, fixed, mm -hmm. if you will, through this. Uh, uh, over the top uh, uh, adventure that that occurs, mm. but again, look at the people that are kind of involved in this. Super Eight had Spielberg, who is again someone who is purely full of heart, and, and then you, you've and, got and you had JJ, which also kind of does. Oh have yeah, that. yeah, absolutely. And then the Planet of the Apes series had Matt Reeves, mm -hmm. who obviously has heart, mm -hmm. or else he wouldn't have been able to pull off um, pull off these two films. A fantastic trilogy. Yeah, I mean, he didn't do the three of them. He did, he did the, uh, the, the, the the second, second two, and the third. right? Yeah, yeah, he did uh, Dawn and War. Yeah, Rise of the Planet was directed by by someone else. Uh, um, but it's just it's weird for me that we've reached this. I know I'm going to go back to Williams, but remember Patch Adams. It wasn't maybe one of the greatest no, it wasn't. films ever, but you can't leave the movie without having a sense of hope, without... Forget the movie. Look at the poster. Yeah, with the... With the I mean... Big, the big... Uh, I mean, come on. The big news. But, you know, that final scene mm -hmm. where he's in court, mm -hmm. uh, possibly stripped of becoming a doctor, and all the kids come in uh, with the big noses, and it's such a tearjerker scene and, and and then you see him with that other doctor uh, played by uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, with that old lady who doesn't eat and then they put a whole swimming pool of pasta and throw her in and she starts to eat and, I mean it's a happy movie yeah it gives you hope it it, it it made me want to like question what I was doing in university. I'm like, should I be a doctor? <laughs> so, so so these things that that push you, I think for me are are very important and decreasing. These yeah. days. I mean, you went from films that, you know, Mr. Smith goes to Washington and yeah. to Kill a Mockingbird. And then you had films like Philadelphia. Yeah. You had films, you know, A Field of Dreams. Mm -hmm. uh, and now we've got, you know, uh, Doom and Gloom. Doom and Gloom. Doom and Gloom. Is that a movie? No. <laughs> yeah, I know, just, but, that, you know, but coming soon in theaters. Coming Doom soon, and Gloom. yeah, you know, it'll be a sequel to a, you know. I mean, again, uh, you know, we, 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 we yeah. mentioned Infinity War. Yeah. Look at the way this film ended. Yeah. 
I mean, you know, you know what I mean? Yeah, depression. You know, like evil wins. We're 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 donezo. All the heroes are fading away. They've dissolved. Thanos wins. This is how we see the world now. We see the world as a, a world where evil wins and good loses. And this is a problem. I'm, I'm okay with having such endings. Yeah, 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 But there has to be a balance. Right. Well, we know we, we, that we, with four we, coming out, there's going, you know, e- uh, goodwill prevail. will prevail, you know. Um, but but still, I mean, I remember hearing people gasping in, yeah. in the movie theater at the end of Infinity War. I remember people going, is that it? It finished? What happened? Yeah, I, don't I, I heard two women in the back of me going, we just wasted to two hours. This was ridiculous. How could they kill off Spider-Man? Yeah. Like this, you know, th- but, but again, mm-hmm. it, it reflects our time. Yeah. It reflects, you know, that people really think that we live in a time that is completely hopeless. Mm-hmm. Um, at the end of The Last Jedi, there's only like six rebels left. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like they send out a, they send out a distress call and nobody answers. It's like, we've been abandoned. That's like, it. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Um, so here we are yeah. at the uh, second chance segment Let- of our show. Uh, last time we had a ch- second chance, um, uh, you you wanted to fight for Wakanda, Wakanda, Wakanda forever. Um, and today is my turn. Let me ask you a question. Uh huh. Do you feel lucky, punk? I. Is that supposed to be? It's like a Clint Eastwood kind of reference. Oh uh, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. I thought I, I knew that, but I wasn't sure if that's what you thought it was. Gonna be defending. No, today. I know. I think I know what you, you because you've been wanting to defend this. <laughs> I've been wanting to defend this time. for quite some time. By the way, Ahmed, if you're listening to us, <laughs> this one's for you, buddy. <laughs> yup, yup, it is. Yup, it is. Um, okay, so what I brought into the second chance courtroom today uh, is the one and only Man of Steel. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. I'm all ears. Okie dokie. Open minds. So, I'm listening. Okay, so when I did do a rewatch a couple of weeks, actually, no, like last month, yeah. uh, I did the rewatch, um, <laughs> and I posted it on my social media. Hod's reaction was, we're done. Don't talk to me anymore. We're done. Um, and I was like, no, no, you have to. And he's like, nope, I don't want to. I'm not talking to you about <laughs> this right now. We're done. Um, so I decided to... Uh, force him to listen to my defense. I'll listen. I'll listen on the show today. Um, okay, so here it is. Um, and I'm I'm gonna be essentially summarizing my entire uh, um, 1,050 word review, which is the longest review ever <laughs> um, of Man of Steel here. And I'm gonna kind of bring up some of the highlights of the review. Okay, as fast as I can, hopefully to make a good case for this film. Um, first off, uh, personally speaking, and I, and I've read a lot of, um, uh, the, the Superman comic books. I was a big fan of Smallville, the TV series. Um, I truly think to a, to a certain degree that Zack Snyder's version of Clark Kent is the most accurate depiction of uh, a real Clark Kent in cinema. And here is why. And I think, I don't think we've ever seen... Clark actually struggling with his identity in any medium. Um, uh, and maybe not to the extent that we see him struggle in Man of Steel. And it's not an identity of am I Superman or am I Clark, but it's an identity of who am I, period. Uh, uh, you know, like with all of these powers that I've been given, with all of this strength and, you know, power of flight and laser, you know, beams coming out of my eyes, who am I really 
to planet Earth and to the citizens of Earth. Um, and, uh, you know, we are kind of introduced to Clark at the beginning of Man of Steel as someone who is completely lost. Um, you know, he's trying to figure out where he fits, how he fits. Um, and, and it's for me, it's the most human that we've ever seen Clark be. Um, although we did see him kind of a humanized in Smallville, but this was a younger, this was a, you know, high school Clark. It wasn't an older man Clark. Um, and, and, and the path that he's put on in this film is an extremely emotional one. Um, and one that has a lot of consequences and that deals with the consequences of choice. Um, so, uh, and, and you're dealing with a Clark Kent that's trying to understand himself as a Kryptonian and as the last Kryptonian, as far as he knows, as well as this man from Earth. Mm -hmm. um, it's very uh, um, Messiah-esque of the character. And I know mm -hmm. there's been a lot of, you know, symbolism and a lot of Superman uh, uh, tellings of him being kind of a Messiah-esque yeah. creature. And um, Snyder actually takes huge uh, um, advantage of this uh, in both this and in the sequel, which was Batman versus Superman. There's literally a shot in Batman, not to kind of mm -hmm. sidetrack, but there's a shot in Batman versus Superman of this woman reaching up towards the heavens as Superman comes down literally from a beam of light. Yeah. I mean, you can't get more on the nose messiah than that. Um, and these are things that I that bothered me the first time around. And this time around, I thought they were genius. Um, because of humanity's constant need for a savior. Um, so we kind of put Clark up on this pedestal um, without him getting a choice in the matter. Mm -hmm. He became the Superman without necessarily him choosing to, does that make sense? Like he was forced yeah. into this in, 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 in a way. Um, the way that this film is kind of structured narratively also has a lot of Christopher Nolan in this uh, because of the timelines. Uh, there isn't like a chronology to it. We're kind of, we are jumping back and forth between um, Clark as a, as a kid and then Clark as a high school student and then uh, Clark a little older, maybe a, almost like college years. Um, and those are very, uh, for me, those are very, uh, um, interesting when, when you do a rewatch, you kind of see where the narrative thread is going, even though it's not doing it in a, in a linear way, if you will, uh, because it is very nonlinear, this film. Um, and not to mention that the film's ending is essentially a moment that people thought they were going to see in the beginning of the film because the film ends with him actually going to the Daily Planet. Mm -hmm. uh, and then, you know, Lois introducing herself, although she already knows who he is, um, which is a point that a lot of people were bothered by. But for me, I was like, well, it's like wanting to see Uncle Ben in Spider-Man die a thousand times. Like, we we know this. Um, this was a new twist on it, you know? Um Cinematographically, I love the film this time around a lot more. I think the harsh camera zooms and the very documentary style um, uh, 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 cinematography in the film was very interesting. There's a lot of, uh, uh, you know, like um, low angles okay. uh, in the film. So we're always looking up in a lot of ways. Uh, there's constant low angles in the film. Uh, which I thought was a very interesting kind of play on, yes, you're looking up to Superman the whole time. Um, yes, it is CGI heavy. 
I'm gonna, you know, okay. fine. It is CGI heavy, but if we're gonna be uh, uh, um, uh, attacking Man of Steel for its CGI heaviness, then we can't not attack, you know, films like Black Panther and Infinity War for the, for their CGI heaviness. It's a superhero film. You've said it where you've been like, well, it's a superhero film. You kind of need the CGI. You can't do it without. And I agree. You can't do it without. Um, now we get to the point that I feel like uh, a lot of people hated in the film, which was the violence, mm -hmm. right? And I think this, is, this could be one of your issues as well within could, the yeah, film. Yeah. It's the destruction of Metropolis and, and Smallville and blah, blah, blah. So when I rewatched the film, I sort of understood where Zack Snyder was going with the violence. And um, it's literally the violence that's occurring around Superman is the violence that's actually occurring internally. So the rage that we see in Superman wanting to defend is literally someone who is trying, again, he's trying to figure out how he can save and protect while emotionally not being in control of himself. Mm -hmm. And this is something that any human being has experienced, where you lose control of your emotions, you make mistakes. And so this is a Superman that makes mistakes. And obviously the consequences of this are kind of discussed in Batman versus Superman. Um, so instead of, uh, uh, you know, Superman uttering something like I'm being torn apart, which is a line that we heard in a certain star Wars episode seven, yeah. uh, with Kylo, uh, he says I'm being torn apart here. Instead of Clark saying it, we're literally seeing it, him tearing, being torn apart visually in the violence. Um, and I think this is why the end of the film, uh, although had a lot of criticism with him killing Zod and then screaming afterwards, um, for me this time around, it was like, well, okay, this is a person who's literally, he just killed for the first time. Um, he's never killed before. We didn't see him kill before. This is the first time he's had to take destiny into his own hands. And it was either going to be Zod or that family. And so he had to make the hard decision of killing someone. And this is the ugliness of war. This is the ugliness of violence and terror and making difficult decisions of saving, you know, the one life versus the many. And we've never seen Superman being put in this decision, kind of in this corner before. So a lot of people hated it because it was too dark for Superman. Because it's, you know, Lois and Clark adventures and zooming through the skies. And, and this was a, I feel like this is a Superman for the post 9-11 world. This is a, you know, a, a much grittier and harsher and tougher Superman. Um, you know, again, uh, to, to, to kind of go back really quickly and kind of mention the visualization of what Clark is fighting. There's a scene and it's one of the flashbacks and it's the, the moment that Jonathan Kent dies in the film. And it's literally, there's an argument between Clark and Jonathan where Clark literally tells him, well, you're not my father. You can't control like, you know, something along those lines. And then a tornado hits and then it's a storm and then it's chaos. And with Clark literally having to sit by and watch his father die because his father notices that if Clark was to use his powers in that moment, there's an entire like village worth of people that are witnesses. So he tells him not to move and Clark has to not move and then witnesses his father dying. And this is again, part of the 
buildup of Clark becoming the Clark Kent that we know. Um, and I think a lot of people expected us to see the literal Christopher Reeve Clark Kent, but every hero has a beginning. And I, it was not necessarily an origin film, but it was an origination of, if you will, or a creation of, uh, um, uh, Clark and, uh, the man of seal. Um, and then on the other hand, you know, with, with Clark being the, um, beacon of freedom and freedom of choice, you had the antagonist, which was, or the villain, which was general Zod, which is the epitome of, what happens when your role is pre predetermined for you? He was bred to be a general. And so his entire structure is defend and kill and war. And so, you know, you had freedom of, of choice and being controlled, uh, beating each other up. And so uh, thematically, symbolically, I think in a lot of ways, I need to wrap it up. I think in a lot of ways, um, uh, this is why I decided to give Man of Steel a second chance. And this is why the second chance hit me deeper than it did. And I understand it's a superhero film and it maybe a lot of audience members don't want it to be this philosophical, but, um, in literally a minute, almost minute 30, you have to respond. <laughs> I want to try to go as fast as I can. Uh, I'll, uh, compress this. To me, uh, in the DC universe, uh, you have Batman, you have Superman, the two big players, Batman was always the darker kind of character. Uh -huh. uh, Superman was lighter. To yeah, an the extent. beacon of hope. Yeah, 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 yeah. We were talking about heart and hope throughout the episode. Uh -huh. I don't feel that this movie has a lot of heart and hope for me. Superman, not comparing to Christopher Reeves or uh, any other uh, version of Superman, but he's he. There's there's more positiveness. There's more. Uh, I don't know. It's it's so much lighter and I have too little time I don't yeah, have enough I know. time I'm I sorry I'm so, so sorry so much pressure <laughs> I'm so sorry look here's what I'll do I'll check it out again but okay, again okay. to me Superman has to be something closer I like Captain America if you want to look at the Marvel Universe it's light you can be serious and light at the same time uh, the, the speech by Brando in the first Superman has so much hope Uh, sending my son uh, to yeah, Earth. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, and in Man of Steel, I didn't really see that. And I don't think I have any more time. No, so you don't. We're literally going to be over. And so yeah. we're not going to even... Follow us on social media at Alamahana. And, and at, that solo. <laughs> we'll see you again next week, guys. Bye, Bye. guys. Bye. Hi, I'm Alan. And I am Hat Solo. And together we can rule the galaxy. <laughs> uh, that might take too much time. Let's talk about films and TV instead. That makes sense. Join us at 3 p.m. every Friday for Script to Screen Spotlight and Saturday for the Script to Screen News Hour. We'll be discussing all the latest news from the film and TV industry. And we'll also enchant you with some of the greatest songs and soundtracks out there. Script to Screen, only on Radio Lebanon 96.2 FM, made to be heard.